Recipes. Today's episode is going to be about... I can see myself doing a thread about this because nature is so important. Um, As a nature lover, I notice it all around me. I could be driving. I'm looking at the sky. I'm noticing um, whether it's raining or sunny like anybody else. But I also notice how many birds happen to be around or um, the formation of the clouds and the different designs that the sun is making in the sky. Like, I really just tune in. I love it, like I've said many times. Um, And I'm also tuned in to the news that is written about nature and climate change is in the news a lot. I also notice it in my environment when it comes to greenways and the, the types of parks in different neighborhoods. Like recently, um, a couple of friends and I met at a park that's in a very, very nice neighborhood. I mean, the houses are multi-million dollar houses. And the park that is nearby those houses um it's freedom park here in charlotte north carolina and the lake is amazing the um there's a nature museum right within that park area um so it's educational for the children in that area there's a nice uh panthers park there's volleyball, um, sand volleyball, there's basketball courts, there's baseball. I mean, this park is extensively nice, well put together. And in the area where I work, uh, the Ballantyne area, there is uh, a natural setting being, it's not natural because it's man-made, but Ballantyne is being reimagined and it's being connected to the downtown Charlotte area through a um, through greenways, all connected. Lots. If you go to any well-funded neighborhood, you will see lots and lots and lots of green trees and bushes. And where there are man-made parks, they are exquisitely beautiful and include a lot of nature. But when you go to neighborhoods where there is a lot of poverty, you will notice a lack of trees. It's a lot of concrete, a lot of iron, a lot of buildings, a lot of warehouses, a lot of a lot of no nature. <laughs> and I never like associated that with the health of the people in those neighborhoods. But an article that I saw today brought that to mind. I noticed it, but I didn't put it, I didn't intellectual intellectualize, if that's a real word. I didn't I didn't do that with it. And the article brought it to my attention that is all intentional certain areas it it doesn't i don't know how it happens how city planners plan to take all the trees out of certain areas 
but you see it. And once you know it, you don't unsee it or unknow it. So this article, the read for today is from uh, the online publication, The Root. It is written by Derek Jackson, Derek Z. Jackson. And the title is How Climate Change and Heat Islands Are Killing Black People. Let's get into the read. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When I read the headline for the article I'm about to read and I saw heat islands, I was like, what what is that? And I thought I never, I didn't know what that was. But heat island is just a new way of saying concrete jungle. And I've heard that my whole life. (laughs) I'm from New York City. Definitely quite a few concrete jungles in New York City. But there are also... Lots of lush areas in New York City as well. It's a pick and choose where the trees are allowed to grow. Um, But yeah, on Wednesday, the World Meteorological Organization announced that Earth will almost assuredly see its warmest average temperature yet over the next five years. To that end, There is a better than even chance that one of those next five years will see the planet temporarily breach limits set by the Paris Climate Accords to avoid the catastrophic effects of climate change. The Paris Agreement recommended that nations reduce greenhouse gas emissions to hold Earth's warming to 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit over pre-industrial levels. The heat is already on this year with the onset of summer still a month away. Las Vegas had a record day of 93 degrees in April. Seattle and Portland, which broke summer records two years ago with 108 and 116 degrees, respectively, set new May records in the 90s. Globally, new spring records up to 114 degrees Fahrenheit was set across Portugal, Spain, Morocco, Algeria, Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, and Thailand. Temperatures like that mean death. Extreme heat kills more people in the United States annually than any other weather-related event, such as hurricanes, floods, or tornadoes. In North America, the most recent searing evidence of that was the more than 1,400 deaths under the heat dome in 2021 that suffocated Oregon, Washington State, and Western Canada. Because of the demographics of that part of North America, 
most of the victims of that historic heat wave happened to be white. But close attention to the key factors associated with the deaths in Vancouver, British Columbia, Portland, and Seattle reveals threads all too common with the day-in, day-out conditions of many African Americans. Typically, the victim was a socially and materially deprived elder, had underlying health conditions, and possessed no air conditioning in neighborhoods lacking the cooling effects of green space. Black people share those conditions to the level of being disproportionately sealed under the dome of a hotter world, with dire consequences likely if the nation does not fight climate change. According to a 2021 study of the nation's 175 largest urban areas, people of color in the United States were more likely than white people to live on what are called heat islands. This is the modern term for the concrete jungle referring to parts of cities where the concentration of buildings, roofs, roads, sidewalks, and parking lots relentlessly absorb and radiate the sun's heat. Such neighborhoods are often marked by lack of trees, parks and ponds, creeks and lakes that naturally cool and moisten the landscape. Black people, according to the study of 175 cities, have the highest surface urban heat island exposure of any racial or ethnic group, with Hispanics coming in second. So, the way it's coming across as the reader is as if Black and Hispanic people, it just happened that way. It didn't just happen that way. It didn't. Ah, the article gets into it. Thank goodness, because I was about to get a little upset. Let me go ahead and finish reading. (laughs) It is not an issue of poverty. The nation's history of redlining and many other forms of housing discrimination in neighborhoods that white interests see as cooler, figuratively and now literally, have resulted in black people being marooned on heat islands regardless of their income. No one yet knows what that means in actual number of deaths. The federal government says about 700 people die annually in the United States from heat-related illnesses, but a 2020 study estimated that number is much closer to approximately 5,600 deaths a year. A Los Angeles Times analysis calculated that California alone suffered 3,900 heat-related deaths from 2010 to 2019. What we do know is that black people are being disproportionately affected in New York City, where the health department says 370 people die annually from heat-related causes. Black people are twice as likely to die from heat stress than their white counterparts. 
A 2021 New York Times story found a 35 degree difference on a blazing day in August between the 119 degree sidewalk temperature on a treeless section of the South Bronx and the 84 degree sidewalk temperature on the thickly treed Upper West Side near the urban forest of Central Park. And it's funny, I mentioned New York City and the differences there without even knowing that was included in the article. In California, racial disparities have been bubbling up like lava from a volcano. From 2005 to 2015, the rate of emergency room visits for heat-related illnesses soared by 67% for African Americans, 63% for Latinos, and 53% for Asian Americans. It should be noted that the rate of black emergency room visitors was more than twice the 27% increase for white Californians. Technically, these disparities in heat risk are not new. In the 1995 Chicago heat wave that killed more than 700 people, black residents had an age-adjusted death rate that was 50% higher than white residents. The highest risk the highest risk was for black seniors who had a death rate nearly double that of white seniors. Worse, it's not like black people don't know they are in the crosshairs of a sizzling climate. A 2020 poll. I'm laughing because why wouldn't we know? Why wouldn't we see all the different disparities? A 2020 poll commissioned by the Harlem-based We Act for Environmental Justice and the Environmental Defense Fund found that 52% of Black respondents were very concerned about heat waves, nearly double the 28% of white respondents who were very concerned. The question is this, will the part of our nation that enjoys the cooling cross breeze under an oak canopy ever sweat enough to care about climate change? or even hear the SOS from our blistering heat islands. Mercy, mercy me. Things ain't what they used to be. What about this overheated land? What more abuse from man can she stand? Yeah. That's an interesting article. And it can be found on the Roots newsletter. Word. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. With the term heat island, aka concrete journal, journal, <laughs> concrete jungle, there are other key definitions that are important to understand um, along with these climate change issues. One of them is the concept of climate justice. And climate justice, according to Wikipedia, is the um, 
concept that addresses the just division, fair sharing, and equitable distribution of the burdens of climate change and its mitigation and responsibilities to deal with climate change. It has been described as encompassing a set of rights and obligations which corporations, individuals, and governments have towards those vulnerable people who will be, in a way, significantly disproportionately affected by climate change. Justice, fairness, and equity are not completely identical, but they are in the same family of related terms and are often used interchangeably in negotiations and politics. Applied ethics, research, and activism using these terms approach anthropogenic, and that's a word that I learned recently. Let me make sure I'm saying it right. Anthropogenic. Anthropogenic. And what it means is chiefly of pollution or environmental change originating in human activity. So climate change isn't just a climate heating up on its own. No, it's due to human activity. Mostly the 1% is heavily responsible for climate change, heavily. Um, Using these terms, approach anthropogenic climate change as an ethical, legal, and political issue rather than one that is purely environmental or physical in nature. This is done by relating the causes and effects of climate change to concepts of justice, particularly environmental justice and social justice. Climate justice examines concepts such as equality, human rights, and collective rights, and the historical responsibilities for climate change. Other important aspects of um, climate change and climate justice have to do with the disruption of... There's so much to it. There's a lot of history to it. It's it's done on purpose. And a lot of times people think that they're only affecting people who are in the margins of their focus, right? But what they're not looking at is the fact that the present day is not forever. Future generations are coming after all of us. So while you're affecting the people that you don't care about today, you're also affecting people that you do care about tomorrow. Um, Other terms like carbon-free and dividend. A carbon-free and dividend or climate income is a system to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and address climate change. The system imposes a carbon tax on the sale of fossil fuels and then distributes the revenue of this tax over the entire population as a monthly income or regular payments. Climate debt. Climate debt is the debt said to be owed to developing countries by developed countries for the damage caused by their disproportionately large contributions to climate change. Historical global greenhouse gas emissions, largely by developed countries, pose significant threats to developing countries. Effects of climate change on human health, 
the effects of climate change on human health are increasingly well-studied and quantified. They fall into three main categories, direct effects, impacts from climate-related changes in ecological systems and relationships, and the more indirect consequences, uh, environmental racism, ecological racism, or ecological apartheid is a form of institutional racism leading to landfills, incinerators, and hazardous waste disposal being disproportionately placed in communities of color. So not only are there less trees, there's more of that landfills, incinerators, and hazardous waste. Uh, Equity theory focuses on determining whether the, the distribution of resources is fair. Equity is measured by comparing the ratio of contributions and benefits for each person, considered one of the justice theories. And let's see, fossil fuel divestment or fossil fuel investment in climate solutions is an attempt to reduce climate change by exerting social, political, and economic pressure for the institutional divestment of assets, including stocks, bonds, and other financial instruments. So there is a large global justice movement going on, and it's a network of globalized social movements demanding global justice by opposing what is often known as corporate globalization and promoting equal distribution of economic resources. Um, There is the Green New Deal, GND, proposals calling for public policy to address climate change along with achieving other social aims like job creation, economic growth, and reducing economic inequality. And the last term that is in line with all of what's going on around climate change is the Greenhouse Development Rights, GDRs, a justice-based effort-sharing framework designed to show how the costs of rapid climate stabilization can be shared fairly among all countries. More precisely, GDRs seek to transparently calculate national fair shares in the costs of emergency, oh wow, in the cost of emergency, um, where was I? It's so many things. Emergency global climate mobilization in a manner that takes explicit account of the fact that as things now stand, Global political and economic life is is divided along both north-slash-south and rich-poor lines. Critically, GDRs approaches climate protection and economic development as two sides of one coin. Its goal is developmental justice as it might exist even in a world that is compelled to rapidly reduce greenhouse gas emissions to near-zero levels. The GDR analysis suggests that rapid climate stabilization will prove impossible without an extremely strong commitment, a right to a dignified level of sustainable human development, humanity, a right to life free from the privations, privations of poverty, 
what is that privations uh this is a lot privation privation a state in which things that are essential for human well-being such as food and warmth are scarce or lacking yeah climate change will do that to people so uh while there is frightening news about how climate change disproportionately disproportionately can affect black people awareness can be helpful getting into understanding the nature around you how many trees how many parks access to healthy places do you have around you and if it's not around you, because it's not like you could just move into a multi-million dollar neighborhood, whatever color you are, wherever you're living. Everybody doesn't live in the United States of America. Wherever you're living, it's important to tap into nature around you by any means necessary. Myself, I definitely don't live in a multi-million dollar place but I am tapping into resources around me to get closer to nature. Um, thankfully, there are green greenways nearby me, so I get out into that often. I'm tapping into my community, people who are do own gardens, do know how to grow their own food, um, and learning from them. I volunteer at an organization that is teaching me how to um, grow all kinds of things. Um, I'm being intentional about my connection to nature. Will I be impacted by climate change just like everybody else? Of course. But I'm not going to just sit back and take it. I'm going to find a way to get out into nature, like I said, by any means necessary. Word. Word.